Hello, I'm Richard Grund. We're going to do a special edition. I guess it's the Hurricane Ian special edition. While this show is on, we will begin getting the thick of it here in Orlando. So I just figured I would get this up there. And Lord led me to this session of the porch I did a couple of years ago about the crosswinds of deception. I hope that it blesses you. I hope that it inspires you. It refers to an episode of Reflections in the Dark that I will post so that you can hear it. But for now, this is The Porch, Crosswinds of Deception. Listen to it. Apply it. Because while I'm in the winds of Ian, we as believers are in the crosswinds of deception. We'll be back next week on the porch, hopefully live without any interruption, without any winds. And we'll see you then. God bless you and keep us in your prayers. Welcome to another session of the Porter on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. We come together in agreement right now. We touch and we agree that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have not changed. Your word is still yea and amen. The power of your words are still alive and still function. It's not just letters on a printed paper. It's living and alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. The Lord pierced through, pierced through the lies and the deception, pierced through, pierced through the ancestral curses and all the things that this world has done to us. Let bodies be healed, minds be cleared, relationships restored. What's out of order to be put in order, what's off-center to be lined up with you. We banish distraction and division. We banish the enemy. You came in one way, flee seven. Get out of here. Get out of our lives, get out of our homes, get away from our families, our pets, and our possessions. Take your eyes off of what is ours. Be blinded, be confused, let there be deaf and dumbness in the camp. Turn upon one another instead of upon us. And Father, we praise you. We praise you for the cross. We praise you for your love. We praise you for your blessing. We praise you for everything that you've done for us and given to us and everything that's coming. We praise you for Yeshua, our Lord, our Savior, our Master, our Friend, our Brother, our Teacher, our everything. We praise you for what he endured for us on the cross. We praise you that he's alive, that he rose from the grave, that he sits at your right hand, that he sent back your Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh, to walk with us, to teach us, to empower us, to guide us. We thank you for this family that you've knit together, those that we know and those that we don't know. Lord, we call them in. We call them in, Father, we call them in. You've been lost, you've been wandering, you, you don't believe that there's a shepherd out there that'll love you. Well, he loves you. He is the great shepherd, and we, and we 
will love you. Father, send the provision. Send your sheepdogs to go do what you designed them to do, to drive off the enemy, to rescue those that have wandered away, to set the captives free, to lay hands on the sick and they would recover, the blind would see, the deaf would hear, the lame would walk, the dead would be raised, and the world would know that you are Lord, you are Savior, you are Messiah, you are King. Now bless this time, bless the technology, prepare us to hear what you have to say, and Lord, put a fire in our bones to do something with this, and I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information except where noted that the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information and the manner presented is exclusive and cannot be repeated or reused without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. But with everything going on, the one thing I noticed is that a crosswind began to blow. And that's the title of tonight's lesson, Crosswinds. See, a crosswind is a wind that blows across the course or the path of a ship or an aircraft. They, they, they blow from one side or the other, so they blow from the side and makes it difficult for planes to take off or land. Uh, it makes it difficult for cars to get down the road. A ship has got to turn its sails to catch. There's so many things, so many adjustments that have to be made when a strong crosswind hits you. If you're an athlete and you've ever been trying to play a sport or running track or running outside with a crosswind, it makes it very difficult, A, to stay on the, on the right road and also to run. Well, there are strong crosswinds of deception blowing across the path of believers. You know, his word is a light to our path, but now this wind comes along and it blows and it tries to take us off path. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, Amplified Version, warned us about this. He said, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction that challenges them with God's truth. But wanting to have their ears tickled with something pleasing, they will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires and to support the errors they hold. And will turn their ears away from the truth and will wander off into myth and man-made fictions and will accept the unacceptable. We can almost change it, for the time has come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine or accurate instruction. We're living in those times. But this is nothing new. Since the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord, the demonic counterfeits and deception have been rampant. I mentioned Sunday night about Arianism. It's a movement movement in the early church that believed that God the Father alone was God and Jesus was a created being, as in not the eternal Son of God. The teaching was attributed to Arius of Alexandria, was declared heresy at the Council of Nicaea, and the Council of Constantinople. 
you will see elements of that heresy in part of what I talked about on Sunday night. Gnosticism. The word gnosis means knowledge. Gnosticism is an ancient religion, altering its appearance down through history, always claiming special access to secret knowledge based on extra-biblical revelation. We're seeing a lot of that right now. And, rightly, has always been considered dangerous heresy. Several of the epistles, Colossians 1, 2, and 3, and and uh, John and Peter, they all warned about Colossians 1 and 2 and, and, and 3 John. They all warned about it, First and Second John. My brain's all over the place right now, folks. I got to tell you, I wish we had a band or a keyboard player or some music and we could just praise the Lord because I can hear the wind and the Spirit. And you want it to be a wind of the Holy Spirit, but it's a wind of other spirits, of false spirits, of lying spirits. And one of them I was reminded of was one I'd heard about in 1989 from an actor friend of mine who I was witnessing to. He handed me this 2,000-page book and said, have you read this? And I said, well, no. He goes, everything you want to know is right here. It's called the Urantia book, U-R-A-N-T-I-A. So I took it home and I read it. It was 2,000 pages of demonic New Age nonsense. But so scientifically based, so apparently well-researched, uh, channeled through, um, at that time, an unnamed person. We know who he is now, but that's not important for tonight's lesson. If you want the full story, listen to Sunday Night's Reflections in the Dark. But the spirit called himself Melchizedek. You'll hear that a lot in the New Age. Oh, two, two spirits and two names come up a lot, Michael the Archangel and Melchizedek. I'm not sure why the enemy likes to key on them, but they do. Maybe it gives them an air of respect. But basically, it was packed filled of lies wrapped with some partial truths about Jesus of Nazareth. Now, this brother of mine and the Lord emails me because apparently it's reared its head again. And some believers think it's a good baseline of knowledge. Some well-known speakers have supposedly mentioned it. I'm trying to get that proof before I mention them by name. But this is the trend in what I call fringe Christianity, people that have stumbled onto a old revelation and have gone way off the path with it. You know, it's great to understand the Nephilim and who the giants were. It's not so great when you go to other lands to come back with their bones or replica skulls to put on your shelf like you've done something spiritual. Yeah, the spirits that you're dealing with are not of God. And that's what this fringe element's doing, and they're buying into the lie of the serpent. One of the quotes from the Urantia book is, Religious tradition is imperfectly preserved record of the experiences of the God-knowing men of past ages, but such records are untrustworthy as guides for religious living as the source of true information about the universal Father. Such, such ancient beliefs have been invariably altered by the fact that primitive man was a myth-maker. Hasatan and the Fallen, they love to get wordy. And they love to talk about God the Father, but they change who he is. They like to talk about Jesus, but it's a different Jesus. They like to mention the gospel, but it's a different gospel. They claim that the K 
confusion on planet Earth, and the, the word Urantia is the word for Earth, and the, the, the people that are giving this are these interdimensional, interplanetary beings that have passed on this information, and that Earth is just one of many places and one of many alternate universes and paradises and whatever. And when you hear these people out there say, well, there's, there's 11 different levels of reality. There's all these different dimensions. Who cares? We have a hard enough time living this one. What does it matter to me if there are 11 or 47 or, or 77 flavors of dimensions? Let's get it done in this one. And this book will tell you that what we are religious Neanderthals that we have a partial aspect of the truth, but we don't have the truth. We're prim our concepts of God are primitive. A God that is wrathful and inflicts judgment and uh, does all the things that we know they're referring to the Old Testament is not the God. That all the other religions are corrupted and they're the only ones with the truth. That, that seems to be a prevailing theme of all false religions. But then again, they, they throw us a bone, and it could be a Nephilim bone, I don't know, but they throw us a bone. Christianity does contain more of the master's gospel than any other religion, but they make two major mistakes, this book says. That Jesus was, the one of their mistakes is that he was the sacrificed son to satisfy the father's stern justice and appease the divine wrath so that the Jesus we follow is the wrong Jesus. Their Jesus toured Rome with two people from India for six years, preceding his ministry. So he had six years of ministry in their book instead of three years in ours. And I don't know what the name of this touring band was. They don't mention it or what instruments they played. That his life ended by crucifixion on the cross, but that was unnecessary because, quote, from page 2002, the Father in Paradise did not decree, demand, or require the death of his Son. That was man's doing, not God. And folks, we hear this lie a lot. We hear it from the Gospel of Oprah. We hear it from all these false teachers right now. Well, the cross wasn't necessary. The blood wasn't necessary. And you'll notice false teachings will always tell you there was no need for the cross. There was no need for blood. They'll tell you that there's no hell. There's no divine judgment. There's no lake of fire. That everyone goes to heaven. They may even get up in the pulpit and spew profanity and make it sound like you're in a bar instead of a church. They, they do it so that they can be real and acceptable and so that you will accept them for how they are so you can accept yourself for how you are. They'll say, come as you are, stay that way. The Lord loves you that way. They never tell you he loves you too much to stay that way. Oh, they'll tell you it's not about the messenger, but they will make it all about themselves. But they'll give you a different message. But it won't be about Jesus of Nazareth. It won't be about Yeshua HaMashiach. They'll tell you to be a spiritual seeker instead of a God seeker through his son seeker. Because the process from Messiah to Lord must take place. There must be a heart and mind coming together, coming into agreement, getting in line with the divine plan for salvation, not a man-made one. But see, we have seen this lie referred to in the Gospels. If you go to Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, 
Paul warns the church there, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Let him be an anathema. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. This lie about Yeshua, this lie about the cross, this lie about a blood sacrifice, this lie that has been fermenting since the garden has reared its head again. And and not just recently, not just through this book. It's actually been around for the last decade in full swing. Why? Why? But why is it coming up again now? Why do we hear so many teachers having a different gospel, a different perspective that's cooler, it's hipper? It's not so churchy. They want to take God out of the box as if God's in a box because we are entering a time of uncertainty and tremendous demonic influence. We are entering and are in a time of godlessness, unholiness, and a time of darkness. And it's our fault. It's the church's fault. We haven't done what we were told to do. Preachers are watering down the gospel. They're being inclusive in their message, but not scripturally sound. And they're including all those people that agree with them to not spend eternity with the Lord in paradise. Sin in the camp is still sin in the camp. They want them in church, but they don't want them in paradise at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, you go to the hospital to get better. You don't just go to the hospital to be told it's okay to be sick. You're on a journey of sickness. You're learning to deal with it. This is your lot in life. No, I go to be healed. I go to be better. And that's why we come together in the Word. That's why we pray for one another. That's why we get together and pray and and praise and sing and prayer and do all the things Scripture tells us to do because we want to be better. We want to get better. We want to be healed. And the one thing you'll notice about all of these teachers, there are no signs and wonders. There are no miracles. There are no biblical affirmations of the Word. You have one of these preachers who used to be a pastor of a megachurch, I think 10,000 members. And then he resigned and wrote a book that basically says there is no hell, and that's why we call him Rob No Hell Bell. He'll tell you that Jesus is universal. It's all about a loving God, showing love. An unsaved person can do that. My dog can show me love. No, the love should be about the love for the Lord and the love for the Father, and that love transcends into being obedient to what he said to do and to the commandments that the Father gave and the rules and instructions for our life that he gave. Oh, you can't judge anybody, brother. They're on their own journey. Well, if somebody's their journey is to stab me or to rob from me or destroy my family, no, that's a journey that's going to end right here, right now. Somebody's demon-possessed and the enemy shows up in my house. Hey, man, I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey to destroy you and your family. Well, you made it to the wrong house. We've got to stand up. We've got to do it in love, but we need to stand up. We need to look at our loved ones instead of excusing their behavior, pray for them, lovingly confront them, because I'm going to tell you what, if you don't confront them, you're complicit. The Lord gave some qualifications. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. 
and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. We know that's the Holy Spirit who will never leave you, the Paracletos. He's the Holy Spirit. He leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. They never talk about the Holy Spirit in all of these false religions, all these false gospels. See, the minute you say the word holy, you set parameters they don't want you to live up to or themselves. Later on in John fourteen twenty three through 26, that was before 15 through 17, he says, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, is my representative, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. And that's why they never talk about him, because they don't have him. Because if they did have him, he'd be correcting them. Then later on in the same chapter, verses 30 and 31, I have much more to talk to you. I don't have much more time to talk to you. Because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. Verse 31, listen to it. But I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. What did the Father require of Yeshua? The cross. So when they tell you that God never required it of him, and nor was he here for that reason, just open up your Bible and have a quick little Bible study. A reporter asked uh, Rob Nohel Bell, I, I just like the way that sounds, so I'll keep saying it, asked him if he was a universalist, somebody who believes that everyone will be saved because a loving God would never condemn anyone to hell, as has been claimed about his teachings. And he gave the typical answer, well, I have no idea what people mean. That just seems like church stuff church people sit around and think about. Does God love everybody? Yeah. You notice he never answered the question. Nice little slick snake tongue there. Danced around the question and said something else. Whenever you confront these people with those kind of questions, well, I'm not sure what that means. Well, yeah, you are. You're just not answering it. Somebody asked him about his relationship with Oprah, who's one of his financial backers now, because now Rob and his wife live out in California. Here's what he said, because he was confronted about what many of us believe about Oprah and what she teaches. Direct quote, she has taught me more about what Jesus has for all of us and what kind of life Jesus wanted us to live more than almost anybody in my life. Is she a Christian? Well, that word has so much baggage. I wouldn't want to answer for someone. When Jesus talks about the full divine life, you think this is what he's talking about. No, Rob, we don't. Because you're listening to a different Jesus and you're listening to the gospel of Oprah which is a mixture of all religions with no rules, no sin, and no salvation. But this is nothing new, and it's not just America. The BBC did a story in Holland, mainstream Protestant church in Netherlands. And the service, conventional hymns, they read from the Bible, they say the Lord's Prayer. But then the pastor, Mr. Hendricks, gets up and he says, make the most of life on earth, because it probably will be the only one you get. Personally, I have no talent for believing in life after death. No, for me, life, our task, is before death. Nor does Pastor Hendricks believe that God exists at all as a supernatural being. 
Quote, God is not a being at all. It's a word for experience or human experience. He said, when it happens, it happens down to earth, between you and me, between people. That's when it happens. God's not a being at all. He describes the biblical account of Yeshua's life as a mythological story about a man who may never have existed, but a valuable source of wisdom and how to lead a good life. He actually wrote a book, Believing in a Non-Existent God, calling for traditional Christians uh, to change their perspective, and they're calling for him to be removed. Except they had a church meeting, and they found out that more people in that church and denomination believed like he did. In fact, a study by the Free University of Amsterdam found out that one in six clergy in the PKN and six other smaller denominations were either agnostics or atheists. I'm sorry, how do you call yourself a Christian when you don't believe in him? How do you believe—this is just amazing to me. And he finally, he just really lays the cherry, the demonic cherry on top of the putrid cake. You don't even have to believe that Jesus was physically resurrected or that he was divine. He said, I think the Son of God, uh, uh, another reverend, Kirsten Sletnayer, hope I said that with the right flair, from the Exodus Church, she's their regular priest. I think the Son of God is just a title. I don't think he was God or half God. I think he was a man, but he was a special man because he was very good in living from out of love, from out of spirit of God he found inside himself. I wonder how they keep a straight face when they do this. She says that um, that's the real meaning of Christianity. But she also says there's really not only one answer. All paths lead to God is what she's trying to say. The University of Amsterdam has said that these concepts of love have diffused the idea of religion. Man's right on. said in our society it's called somethingism. There must be something between heaven and earth, but to call it God, even a personal God, for the majority of Dutch is a bridge too far. Christian churches aren't a market situation. They offer their ideas to a majority of the population who's interested in spirituality or some kind of religion. To compete in this market of ideas, some Christian groups seem ready to reinvent Christianity. They believe that. Here it is. Christianity places God in too restricted a box. Take God out of the box is their motto, which I say is a New Age buzzword. That article was written by the BBC in 2011, which means this has already been going on over there. This virus, this spiritual disease, which traces back to Gnosticism and some of the beliefs of the Gnostics that were battling with the church that blew over the church and caused problems for it was the same thing that Paul was warning Timothy to guard from in 1 Timothy 6.20. Guard what is committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Holman Bible Dictionary tells us that Gnosticism tore the early church apart with heated debates. By the end of the second centuries, of the church, the second century, many Gnostics belonged to separate alternative churches or belief systems within the church, but viewed as heretical. We're seeing that right now. We're seeing the same thing the Book of Acts church dealt with. We're seeing it now. Gnosticism was considered a major threat, and early church leaders such as Arrhenius, Tertullian, and Hippolytus wrote against them 
and pushed them to be expelled. So what they did is they just broke away and created their own churches, claiming to be the true Christians. That's exactly what the Urantia book does. That's exactly what every false New Age religion does. They look as biblical Christians, those of us who believe in the inerrant word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, who believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who believe in Jesus of Nazareth, the way it's been presented to us that we know experientially is the truth. We are considered unenlightened Neanderthals. Here's what they believe. They believe the crucifixion was not an atonement for the sins of humanity. It was an outcome of the fears of religious leaders of the day. That Jesus was actually the human incarnation of Michael of Nebedin, actually Michael the Archangel. You'll hear that a lot. And I will tell you, any veneration of Michael the Archangel in any way, shape, or form from any denomination is false. That Michael was just one of 700,000 paradise sons of God or creator's sons. And that Jesus was not a second person of the Trinity. There was an eternal son, the second person, but it wasn't him. He was like Michael, another created being. Gee, isn't there another? They build these baked steeples. We have one here in Orlando. They believe that Jesus and Lucifer were brothers. See where I'm going here? That Jesus which simply walked on earth because he was born naturally. There was no virgin birth. He didn't walk on water. He didn't perform any of the miracles attributed to him. He actually had a commission of 12 women as religious teachers who traveled about with them and were his apostles. His apostles. Yeah, apostles. <laughs> oh, boy, I got to be careful here. Mm. Then they go on to say that Jesus has been in this world many times, which is the New Age concept of the Christ consciousness. Marianne Williamson, another Oprah sponsor, talks about the Christ consciousness. Anytime you hear these buzzwords, teachings of Urantia were presented by Melchizedek of Nebadon. Where that is, I don't know. So the New Age false teacher names to watch are Michael the Archangel. You go to these New Age sites, everybody's getting a message from Michael. Actually, I think one of them was called Messages from Michael. I don't know who it is, but it's not Michael the Prince over Israel. The winds of deception, in the winds of deception, both the blood and the cross are lost. Salvation is attained through the evolution of the soul. There was no sacrifice needed because you will attain it anyway. I guess they didn't read Romans 5, 8 through 11, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Messiah died for us, much more than having now been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, we will also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus the Messiah, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So they either ignore that or they twist that to say that it's been done once for all. When he died on the cross, all sin was covered, everybody goes to heaven. That's apostasy. That's falling off the path. That's that crosswind of a, of a false doctrine blowing them off the biblical road. This New Age concepts has infected and deceived 
more than we even know. Some big-name people have gone down that road. They no longer believe in heaven or hell. They no longer believe in salvation. You don't have to confess Yeshua as Lord. He did it for everybody. Yes, he did, but there are requirements. A scholar, David Bevington, has identified four areas, the combination of which set evangelicals apart from all other Protestants. A conversion experience, faith-driven activism, means you do something with it. A regard for the Bible as the ultimate authority, and a stress on Yeshua's death and resurrection. And for a majority of evangelicals, the concept of LGBT inclusion collides with authority and the proper interpretation of the Bible. That's the other thing that most of these people say, that all of the requirements for leadership and all that kind of stuff needs to be thrown out the window. Whoever wants to be pastor, priest, minister, whatever it can be, regardless of the lifestyle they lead. And I don't harp on one set of lifestyle. I agree that should be a requirement for anybody. Way too many men and women who have been in the pulpit, been elevated to positions of stature as teachers, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, whatever office they've moved into, have no business being there. They have no business being up in front of a crowd. They have no business tending a flock because their lives are so out of order behind closed doors, which is why I believe preachers and teachers need to be held accountable. And guess what? The Bible does too. 2 Corinthians 4, 2 says, We have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 3, For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, meaning sin, nor was it in deceit. No, the word that is being taught in many of these seeker-friendly churches and the churches I'm mentioning are promoted and supported by the medias and the players in it. And false teachers are promoted by the powers that be within that media structure. And they help propel the winds of deception. But you know what? I can go back to Deuteronomy and I can find reference to what we're talking about. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 3, If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign of the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Yeshua gave us red-letter warnings in Matthew seven fifteen. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. From Deuteronomy to now, from the beginning of the worship of the living God to the worship of his Son to where we are now, there have always been frauds, there's always been phonies, there even be people that have been anointed with power from the fallen to do what they do. But if you love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything that is in you, if this word resides in you because the Holy Spirit is within you to teach you and to guide you, you will not fall for it. But there's a catch. Ephesians 4.14 Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever they sound like the truth. Oswald Chambers had this to say, 
And please listen to me. I know some of you very well. And you listen to a lot of people who I do not waste electricity on. Though I wouldn't cross the street to talk to. People that I have once walked with and severed all ties. If a teacher fascinates with his doctrine, his teaching never came from God. The teacher sent from God is the one who clears the way to Jesus and keeps it clear. Souls forget altogether about him because the vision of Jesus is the only abiding result. When people are attracted to Jesus Christ, he says, through you, see always that they stay on God all the time in their heart and affections will never stop at you. I learned that the hard way. There came a point in my walk with my spiritual father and mentor that a line got drawn by the Lord and I had to stay on the side of the line he drew. And for a brief period of time, we had a falling out. That resulted from the Lord giving me a word to go give him. And when the Lord gave me that word, I was standing out of the stars in the back of the church property in Tallahassee, late on a Saturday night. And I said, Lord, if I give him that word, he will never speak to me again. And the Lord simply said, who is Savior, me or him? I didn't answer the question. I simply turned around, walked inside, and gave him that word. And I was right. Oh, he didn't talk to me for two weeks. But there comes a point where you have to decide, when you look at the Lord He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw a man unto me. Are you seeing the Lord through a person or are you seeing him directly? I will not tolerate any man that wants me to see him as I look to the Lord. And I will not be that man. I will quit if it ever comes to that. I don't think it will because I don't tolerate it. I'm just a man. I'm just flesh. I have no special talents or gifts, just but what my relationship with the Lord is based on the fact of how much I love him. Always not a respecter of person. He is a respecter of relationship. We see that in David. We see that from Joshua getting halfway up Mount Sinai when he was told anybody stepped on it but Moses, they would die. He honors relationship. If you have a heart for him, he will honor that. But no more so than anyone else who has a heart for him. But my point is this. When you look to the throne room. When you start at the cross and you follow that sight line to the throne room, he should be the only person you see. You shouldn't be caught up in pastor this, evangelist this, teacher that. So No, he is the one who died. He's the one they whipped. He's the one who bled. He's the one who rose from the dead. We shouldn't be caught up in every wind of doctrine. We shouldn't be blown here and there. We should become mature and when we do that, we'll be able to speak the love and truth to be able to correct others who are making the same mistake. Paul talks in Ephesians about the immature children, 4.14. I see it in the church today. I see it when I discuss with people that don't believe the inerrant word of God. They don't believe it the way we present it biblically, factually, word for word. Well, I don't see it that way. God loves me. God's not going to judge me. Basically, I want to look at them. What, I'm, what I hear in my head is, well, I want what I want. I want it now, and I want it the way I want it. Sorry. doesn't work that way. And it's time for believers to grow up. It's time for you to take a good look around your house, in your, in your life, and wherever it is, what you're tripping over. Turn the light of the Spirit on and find out what you're stubbing your toe on in your life. Enough's enough. The Spirit 
in Ephesians 4.23 needs to be allowed to renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And you need to put on that new nature. Let go of the old one. Clear out the old nature. Bag it up. Throw it out. Don't even donate it. You don't want somebody else to have your old mistakes. We shouldn't live like we used to do. That person should be dead. You know, children are gullible, they're vulnerable, they're easily victimized. And the enemy takes advantage of that. And we who know him, whether you're a teacher, a preacher, or just a believer, we should be working diligently to get people off of pablum and onto the word that they can chew, and then onto the meat of the word and be mature, no longer be babes. Be established in the faith, no longer doubtful in their mind or tossed and fro like the waves. Tossed up to and fro. I mean, so many people, I don't know what to do. Well, I should do this. Lord said this. Well, I don't think he said that. And I don't want to do this. And I'm like, whoa, I'm spiritually seasick. Stop. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man or woman suppose that they'll receive anything from the Lord. He or she is a double-minded man, unstable in all their ways, rooted and grounded in the truth, no longer carried about by the winds of doubt. You know this group of people out there called doubtful Christians? Well, you know, I don't don't really know what the word says. I'm not not sure about this whole resurrection cross. I'm not even sure Jesus was real, like the the people before. Well, if you're that doubtful, you're not a believer. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Well, if you don't think, if you don't believe in who he is, if you don't believe that he died for your sins, was born and raised and died and fulfilled all the aspects of the prophecy of the Messiah— if you don't believe he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and that he will come again to judge the living and the dead, then you're not a believer. You believe in something, but not in Jesus of Nazareth, not in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and not in his Son, his only begotten Son, the only created, spoken, existent sons of the angels, a third of which fell. But it's time we got rooted and grounded in love, in love for him and love for the lost. And that Messiah dwells in our heart through faith, Ephesians 3, 17. If we have received him as Lord, then we should walk in him, rooted and built in him, established in the faith as we've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving, Colossians 2, 6-7. We should not be negligent to remind us and remind others of these things and be established in the truth, 2 Peter 1, 12. See, freedom from deception means you're able to discern truth from error. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's a sword that's been sharpened. That's a sword sword that's ready to be used. The cheating and the subtlety of false teaching is simply the art and the wiles of Hasatan and the fallen to destroy us, destroy humanity by the fallacies and the myths that were mentioned before so that 
they're not alone in the lake of fire. The perfect counterfeit of truth will always be there. And the crosswinds of deception will always blow. And they'll blow harder and stronger as we get closer to the end. But if you are rooted and grounded, if your heels are dug in, if the armor of God is upon you, and the shoes of the gospel, the, the presentation of the gospel of peace, peace are on your feet, and that shield is in your hand, and that sword is in the other, and the helmet's on, and the breastplate's on, and that cloak of zeal finishes it all off, then you'll do what needs to be done in these times. But folks, I am telling you without a doubt, you should listen to Sunday night show to hear the the teaching on your rancher, but more than that, I said some things that I believe to be prophetic at the end. What's coming has been prophesied, and we are mentally and spiritually unprepared for it. So, Father, I come to you as your son and your servant. We come to you as your children. We ask right now, Lord, that the fire would continue to fall, that you would guide us into all truth and remind us of what Yeshua said and did, that as these winds blow, we know it can't put out that fire because it is eternal, that if nothing else, that fire would cause us to burn hotter. And that we would stay on the course, would make the adjustments necessary. We would not be driven off into error or lies or deceit or even completely lose our way. Inspire us to go to the lost and the dying and speak to them in love, like I did with the brother of mine that gave me that book, and brought the word and brought scripture to him. It took some time, but he came out of it. Others who were deceived by that book and had somebody in love present the gospel to them are now saved, healed, and delivered and found their way out of the darkness. Lord, we need you now. We need your blessings. We need your provision. We need your presence in our life in a way today that's better than yesterday but not as great as tomorrow. Let it be renewed every day. Let it be greater every day. Father, I am crying out to you on behalf of your children those that I don't know and maybe some that are listening that I may never meet. I cry out to you on their behalf. If they're lost, lead them home. Restore to them what the enemy has stolen from them. Heal what needs to be healed. Father, be Lord of their life. Be the, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Be their everything. Because I praise you. I love you and I know you. And I know that I know that I know you are as good as your word. And that's what we are counting on right now. And I pray these things in the only name, the name above all names, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Amen. If you agree with me, just say amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Mm-hmm.